Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Camp Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. We continue in John chapter 4 and the second part of the message, The Invitation. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well in Samaria, and he has created a spiritual opportunity with her. And we finished last week in John chapter 4, verses 14 and uh, 13 and 14. Let's pick back up. We'll stop. We'll back up a little bit into verse 13 and can continue on. Let's read the scripture. John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, the water of the well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I do not thirst, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. Father, thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. Help us to understand in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Jesus has created a spiritual um, question this woman. Uh, he related to her. He just started up a regular conversation with her and said, Hey, could you give me something to drink? Draw me some water. And uh, then he goes, she says, Well, why would you, Why would you, a Jew, a rabbi, you seem to be a wise man, you might be a rabbi, why would you want me, a Samaritan woman, to draw you water? You, you Jews have nothing to do with us Samaritans. And so Jesus creates a spiritual question in her mind by shifting the conversation and saying, Well, yeah, I'm asking you for water. Whoever drinks this water is going to thirst again. But if you drink the water I have, you'll never thirst again. He's interesting. He's inter- introducing a new concept, the concept of an everlasting well of water in the soul of a person. He's introducing this woman to salvation. And salvation is a bellwether change in a person's life. You know if you're saved. If you don't know if you're saved, you're probably not saved. You know you know when that moment happened. You remember that moment. You know when Jesus came into your heart. You know when you gave your life over to the Lord. Because salvation is a complete change. It's being born again. It's a new birth. And you go from thirsty to satisfied. From hungry to full. From lost to found. And all of those descriptions that I just gave you, they're all spiritual See, the great failure of modern, exciting Christian teaching is that it often confuses spiritual blessings, spiritual health, with physical, emotional, or financial health. See, spiritual blessings and spiritual health aren't the same as physical health, emotional health, financial health. Jesus said if you drink from his fount, you'll never be thirsty again. 
that's not a promise that you'll never be physically, financially, or emotionally thirsty again. It's a promise that you'll never be spiritually thirsty again. It's a promise that deep within our souls there will be a confidence and assurance and a comfort that all truly is well, despite the problems and the pains in our lives. Getting saved doesn't mean you're going to be pain-free. Getting saved doesn't mean your life is automatically going to become much, much better. That's not the promise of salvation. The promise of salvation is, is that when your life here on earth is over, you will have an eternal life waiting on the other side of death. Salvation is a spiritual act that satisfies a spiritual thirst. And in eternity, it quenches the possibility of eternal thirst in hell. Luke chapter 16, verse 23, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. This is the rich man. He sees, that. remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And he, he's in hell. The rich man's in hell. Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham. He's in paradise at this time. Paradise and hell occupied uh, adjoining spaces. Uh, those that died before Christ didn't go to heaven. If they were righteous, if they had exercised faith in God, they went to paradise, which the Jews called the bosom of Abraham. And you could see each other across from those two places. Paradise was to the one side, hell to the other. And he cried and said, verse 24, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. You see, people in hell are thirsty. There's a spiritual thirst in hell. There may very well be a physical thirst in hell as well. We don't know exactly how this works, but we know that the people in hell are tormented and they're thirsty. The beautiful fact is that salvation, through salvation, there's a spiritual satisfaction. And that spiritual satisfaction, it, it, it guarantees us eternal life, but it does bring a better life here as well as in eternity. Now, it's not the better life that you're being promised by the televangelists. Trust me. I mean, you know, if, if God only wants good for you, if, if you want to listen to those fellows who tell you that, God just wants to bless you. God wants to make you happy and strong and wealthy and, and, and healthy. And we'll just, you know, because that's God's purpose for your life, right? That's God's, that's what God intended for your life. What about Paul? Paul was the next apostle in line. God had him, he had that young man Saul pointed out he already had selected him he said this is the man i'm going to use to reach the gentiles and god's beautiful perfect wonderful plan for paul's life was stonings jail terms shipwrecks bitten by snakes and ultimately possibly beheaded for the name of christ that's a that's a great, you know, God loves you and has a great plan for your life, right? Listen, the great plan for your life is that you'll be satisfied in your soul. You may never have riches. You may never have power or fame. But you can, you can be assured of this one thing. If you're a child of God, you will be taken care of. Your needs will be taken care of. And that's so much more important than having our wants taken care of. Luke twelve twenty two, and he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, neither for your body what you shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body more than raiment, clothing. 
Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you thinking a thought can add to a stature one cubit, about 18? How many of you can think and, 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 and groan and, and make yourself grow a few inches taller? Nobody can. Verse 26, if you then be not able to do that thing which is the least, why do you take thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek ye not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be doubtful of mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have. Give alms. Give to charity. Give to the church. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure that's in heaven that fails not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus says, if you drink, there'll be a everlasting fountain springing up from inside of you. What is that spring of living water? It's Jesus himself through the Holy Spirit of God. John seven thirty seven. We'll get there in a few weeks or months. It depends on how long it takes us to get through the book of John. John seven thirty seven. In the last day that of that great feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Listen, when we're saved, at the moment of salvation, at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts and, and becomes that spring of living water. And then we have no fear for what... Oh, I wish I could get this through. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit indwells you, you lose thought for, you lose care, you lose worry for, how am I going to make my bills? How am I going to get enough food to eat? How am I, your Father's going to take care of you. And then you start, you start adding things. You start adding things into a bag that doesn't wax old. A bag that doesn't wax old, Luke twelve thirty three. A treasure in heavens that fails not. You start storing up things in heaven and not storing up things here on earth. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of you and He is a spring of living water making things new. What does water, rushing water do? Rushing water cleans. It cleanses things. It washes away the old. Now I know most of us today, we get our water out of plastic bottles, right? I grew up in a time when you got your water out of the spigot. You got your water out of the garden hose, Right? Uh, I, I remember being at my uh, my, my papa's and my grandma's house, and, and you know you get your water out of a hand pump, right? You, you remember anybody you old old enough to remember the hand pump? And if that pump sat for a long time and nobody used it, first time you pumped it, silt would come out, and you had to run it for a good while and let the water wash through and get all the silt and get all the dirt, get all that out, and then you'd have nice, clean, pure water. That's what that living water, that spring of living water in us does. The Holy Spirit cleanses us. 
And he changes our wants and he shows us what our needs really are. Ephesians 1.13, In whom also you trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, the praise of his glory. You see, the moment you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. See, the early church did that on the day of Pentecost. They, they, got the, they had to wait. They had to wait. Jesus said, go into Jerusalem and wait until the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost, the Spirit will come. And he did. But now that he came upon the church on the day of Pentecost, now everybody who uh, gets saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart that moment. You don't have to wait for a second blessing. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you. The minute you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have all of Him you can ever have. In fact, you could say that salvation is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in response to the faith placed in Christ. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you don't have Jesus. You're not saved. Back to our text, John four fifteen. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water. So I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said, Go and call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast five husbands. And he whom thou hast now is not thy husband. And that says thou truly. Here we see the biblical concept of the law to the proud and grace to the humble. Jesus related to this woman. He created a spiritual conversation that is opening her heart to the message of the gospel, right? And he could have just shown her the way. He could have just said, I'm the Christ. Come to me. But something had to be dealt with first, her sin. You see, a lot of churches and quote-unquote Christians today don't want to talk about sin. As a matter of fact, the most popular preacher in America, if you take television ratings as a gauge, never speaks the word sin, never says the word hell, never talks about death, never mentions the blood of Christ. Why? Because if you mention those things, you're talking about the fact that man's a sinner. And that fellow just wants everybody to believe that you're perfect the way you are, even before you find Christ. Listen, Jesus never shied away from pointing out sin. Now, he never used sin as a weapon to condemn he said he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. He came to show us the way. But he points out sin because by pointing out sin, he shows the need for forgiveness and the need for salvation. If you don't have sin, you don't need to be saved. And we're all sinners. You see, this woman wanted what Jesus had. She wanted what Jesus had. But some things in her life had to be exposed and turned up, or else the Word of God wouldn't have taken hold in her life. You see, when you, when you share the gospel with, with people, if you don't expose their sin, if you don't turn up that soil of their heart, if you don't get the rocks out of there and the roots out of there and the weeds out of there, that seed of the gospel doesn't have a chance to grow. Mark 4.30, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But the sun came up, and it scorched because it had no root. It withered away. 
So there's a biblical concept that we must all grasp before to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. You give the law to the proud and grace to the humble. If a person has a great sin in their life, and let's be honest, this woman, multiple divorces and living in sin with a man who was not her husband was and is a great sin. I don't care what society says today. It, multiple people today are, you know, uh, you know, here's my son and here's my fiance. Right? No, wait a second. That's backwards. It should be, here's my husband, and after he became my husband, here's my son. That's not very popular to say today. You don't hear preachers talking about that today. But a man and a woman aren't supposed to come together until after they're married. And once they're married, the only thing that's supposed to stop that marriage is the death of one of them. This sin had to be dealt with. And so Jesus pointed out her sin. And today we can use the law to point people to their sin. Show people where they've fallen short of God's standards. Now that's not mean. That's not cruel. That's not hateful. That is, plain and simple, necessary. Someone has to know that they're lost before they can be found. The woman said unto him, John four nineteen, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Well, she's coming close, right? Now she decides to change the subject. Because she's, she's a little too, you know, the minute you start talking to folks and, and reminding them that you're a liar, you're a thief... You know, you're a murderer in heart, you're an adulterer in heart. They try to change the the subject, and that's exactly what this woman does now in verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is... When true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah comes, which is called the Christ, and when he's come, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So when this lady is confronted with her sin, she immediately tries to change the conversation. Now trust me, if you start a, a spiritual conversation with someone who's not humble, someone who's willing, who's not willing to accept their sinful state, they're going to try this on you. And what she's doing is she's arguing religion. And you'll get that all the time. Well, who's right? I mean, how can we know who's right? I mean, we're Samaritans, and we say Mount Gerzim's where God ought to be worshipped. You're Jews. You say Jerusalem's where God is to be worshipped. Who's to say which one of us is right? Jesus cuts through all that religious junk and tells her plainly, I am not talking about a religious ritual, woman. I'm talking about having a relationship with God the Father. And that's the difference. Religion says... Do this, do it here, do it at this time, do it for this long, do this other thing here, give this amount, do these things and God will be happy with you. A relationship with the Father means I've accepted what Jesus Christ did for me and I humbly repent of my sin and I accept Christ's sacrifice on my behalf and I present that to God the Father. He did all the work, I did nothing, it's nothing of mine. That's a relationship. 
So the question, which I seem to be asking each week on this podcast as we go through the book of John, is this. Do you have a spiritual relationship with God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ's sacrifice and the Holy Spirit's indwelling in your life? Is there a relationship? Is there a relationship through your belief and your, and your acceptance of his Son's sacrifice and the Holy Spirit then indwelling your life? Because, see, there's only one way to God the Father, and that's through his Son, Jesus Christ. John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So now Jesus has related to her as a person. He's created a spiritual conversation. He's convicted her of her sins. And now he reveals himself as Christ. I that speak unto thee am he. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. And that's ultimately what we want to do, is reveal Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. The only access to God the Father and heaven. That's what we're supposed to do. And people say, well, that's just horrible that there's only one way. What about the Buddhists? What about the, 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 the uh, Krishna? What about all the different other religions, the Islams? What about all these other religions? I mean, you're, just, you're, you're, you're limiting. You're saying God only accepts this one way. Yes! Hey, folks, I got a news for you. He made the universe. It's his universe. It's his earth. It's his dirt. And it's his creation. You are his creation. He gets to set the rules. Don't get mad that there's only one way. Be thankful he made a way because he didn't have to. When we failed, he could have just turned his back on us and said, Forget you. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Go ahead. Live in your sins. When you die, you're going to go to hell. But he loves us, and he made a way for us. And we accept that. We gain salvation. We, t- we gain eternity. We get the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, the river of living water, of the Holy Spirit washing us daily, making all things new. And then how do we live our life after that? Well, here it is, John 4.27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men. Now she, she came in the afternoon to avoid the women, let alone the men. She runs back into the city and goes right to the men of the city and says, Verse 29, Come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. That's how we live our life after we get saved. Immediately after being presented with the Christ and accepting him for who he is, this woman, who was ashamed of her life so much that she went to that well at noon to avoid other women in the town, this woman had her sins forgiven and her shame removed, and she runs into town and speaks to the men and tells them all about Jesus. All her shame gone. All of her embarrassment gone. She runs and tells people about Jesus. Isn't that how we're supposed to respond? God bless you. Make sure you tune in next week. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, please make sure you go to iTunes and uh, give us a a rating and maybe leave a, a review. Do the same at Stitcher, Google Play. 
wherever, SoundCloud, just all of that helps to push this podcast further and further up the chain so that more and more people can hear it. Right now, we're being listened to by folks in 27 countries and about two, three dozen states in the United States. This podcast has gone worldwide, and I am so thankful for it. If you've been blessed by this, go to our website, take a look at what we're doing, www.militaryfellowshipministry.com. We appreciate all that you do in supporting our work. God bless you. Until next time, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.